to Homeowner AF. I am here with Jaden Kennedy, and I will actually let her introduce herself because she's a dynamic woman and she has a lot to say. So go ahead, Jaden. Who are you? Who am I? Well, thank you, uh, first of all, for having me on this podcast. Um, my name is Jaden Kennedy. I am 26 years old. I am a real estate broker here in the greater Toronto area. Uh, I am a retired professional athlete, which we'll get into after, and I am also a homeowner. So that's me and a super bunched up statement. <laughs> Amazing. So many facets. Okay, we're going to start with your home ownership journey because first of all, you're 26. That's wild. You're already a homeowner. So can you tell us maybe a little bit about when becoming a homeowner became an idea for you? A hundred percent. So it all sort of started when I was in university. I went to a very affluent school and I started having conversations with people to get an idea of how it is that they built their wealth. And the majority of people actually had told me that they built wealth through real estate. So I thought, oh, this is a very interesting concept because I always saw real estate as a liability as opposed to a way to sort of build wealth. So I came back home. I had conversations with, you know, my friends, my family, people in the community. And I realized that a lot of us have this, you know, misconception, but we're just not educated. And if we don't know better, we can't do better. So I went back to school. I had conversations with people. How is it that you purchase your first property? Do you have any tips to sort of help with wealth building? And I took their information. I then went online, watched a lot of YouTube videos, listened to podcasts, and really just tried to learn from the best and decide. I did that it was in my best interest and a lot of other people's best interest for me to get my real estate license and try to convey information in an easily digestible way just because there's so many different sources online and we don't really know what is legitimate and what is not so if someone could come to Jaden and say hey I know this is going to be legitimate information um, or even just for me, or not me necessarily, but a lot of people in my community, and especially, you know, young women, we don't necessarily always have that person we can go to, to get that information. And we might not necessarily have, you know, generational wealth or generations who are passing these homes on to us. So I want to be that person that people can go to and just have these financial conversations with, and then hopefully they will use that information to, you know, educate others in, and just make a difference one person at a time. Absolutely. And um, I'll make an aside here. If you're not already following Jaden, you should be because she is so transparent and she comes with so many facts and so much value in every short video she does. I, like I'm blown away. I'm learning stuff and I'm on the mortgage side. It's incredible. So what's your handle? Uh, Jaden Kennedy Real Estate. Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, everything is Jaden Kennedy Real Estate. Jaden with a Y. <laughs> Love it. Okay. So you started to learn how people are building wealth, which is brilliant because I come from a background where people just want to pay off their mortgages as quick as possible instead of using their equity to then build generational wealth, which is my whole goal is to give that opportunity to other women so that they can have something to pass down to their families, independent of a spouse and a romantic partner. So I think that's really incredible. But can you tell us, then when the wheels started getting into motion, when you thought, okay, this is something I can actually do, what was the next step? A hundred percent. So if I'm being completely honest, I helped quite a few clients purchase before I had purchased my property. I started having conversations with people, seeing how I could make it work. And typically, as you know, people get pre-approved for four to five times their income. So for me, when I was doing the math, I said, okay, it's not too, too bad, but for the type of the property I'm looking for, I'm going to need to have a little more capital. 
So I actually spoke to my father and I was lucky enough to sort of leverage his income to increase my pre-approval. The main thing that I just want to emphasize for people is that if you add someone to your pre-approval to increase your purchasing power, you want to remember that you are probably going to be the one who's solely responsible for making the monthly mortgage payments. So there's no point in increasing your purchasing power if you won't be able to carry the property on a monthly basis. Um, so I was lucky enough. <laughs> thank you. Um, I was lucky enough to add my father on there. Um, and then I also wanted to a trick that I love to use with a lot of first time home buyers, because the issue is our incomes aren't appreciating at the rates that homes are, is that I actually leveraged the projected rental income that I was going to be getting on my property and use that to increase my purchasing power also. So for people who aren't familiar with this concept, you could go to Brianna and say, hey, I'm going to purchase a property. There's actually a rental unit in the basement. The projected rent is X amount of money. Can you add some of this rent to my income to increase my pre-approval? So that is sort of another gem that we leveraged in order to purchase my property. Um, and yeah, that's sort of how I got it. My parents did not help me with my down payment or anything like that. I simply just needed the income on paper to be able to purchase that property. Brilliant. Absolutely. And that's something that if somebody's listening to this and they are a commission-based um, person, a service provider, that's something that you have to be cognizant about because you don't necessarily have a straight income. You can't, I can't prove what you're going to make in two years. So oftentimes, even if you have a huge income, like say you boomed after COVID, you're going to need somebody to ensure that that income can be shown or projected, right? So a cosigner is something that's really super common. Um, most of my first time home buyers, if they're not purchasing with a spouse, do have a cosigner. And I like that you did point out, Jaden, that you need to be able to still make the payments. And your cosigner is liable if you default on the payments. And that's something that you have to share with them. And as the mortgage agent, I would share with them as well. Very cool. So I'm assuming that you had something with a rental property in it, which is the, my first home also had a rental property in it. I think it's a great way to get into the market. So can you tell us a little bit about where the property is, what you purchased it for, and a little bit about what that process was choosing your first tenant? I purchased the house in Oshawa, Ontario. And the reason I chose Oshawa is because if we look at immigration targets, etc. A lot of people land in the greater Toronto area and then they trickle down to the outskirts. So somewhere that's close enough to the downtown core where you can commute, but where you're not paying a million plus on every single property. Uh, and then Oshawa itself was the fastest growing city in Canada a couple years ago. So I figured this is a really great place to invest. So I purchased a duplex. Kudos to you for also purchasing a multi-unit property as your first one. I learned through listening to podcasts, et cetera, that some of people's, you know, biggest regret is that they didn't purchase a multifamily property. So I said, you know what? I am going to wait until I can afford a multifamily to go through with that. Um, but I purchased the property for $875,000. And I did actually assume the tenants. So there was um, two sets of tenants there. And so I was in the basement for a little bit, but a, the people upstairs were assumed. And the only issue is that I purchased the property in April of 2022. So last year, and you guys, this is when interest rates were crazy low and everyone was focused on, holy crap, the variable rate is so low. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with uh, fixed rates versus variable, basically, you know, when uh, we have interest rate announcements and some people are like, oh my gosh, interest rates went up by 
0.25 or 0.75, whatever. If you have a fixed interest rate, your payments actually stay the same. But if you are on a variable rate, your payment is going to vary based off of these announcements. So for eight consecutive announcements, my payment was going up, 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 up. She's sweating. So at first, <laughs> yes, I was sweating. Like really have to be able to make sacrifices. And this goes back to the whole point of, I knew my father was not going to be assisting me when it came to carrying the property. So I had to take into account that rates could go up. Did I expect them to go up at the rate in which they went up? Definitely not. Um, but the nice thing is that because I have someone else living in the property, they are helping me pay off my mortgage and sort of curb the interest rate hikes. So I am negative cash flowing right now. When I started, when I was, you know, first bought the property, I was making money, but that's just sort of the name of the game. I did always, my thing is I always want to win on the buy. So I purchased the property lower than what it's valued at so that in the event that the market shifts, I will still be able to see a return on my investment uh, long and shorter term. So that's that. I assume the tenants, did I answer all your questions? I think so. Yeah, it was. Okay. So there's two units. There's two units. Yes. Very cool. There's, uh, upstairs is a three bed, one bath. And then downstairs is a one bed, one bath. However, it's not uh, functionality wise. It could be better used. So I think that we are eventually going to convert it into a two bedroom, get a little more in rent. But the issue is just I just bought the property um, for home new homeowners it is recommended that you save 1% of your purchase price every year and put that aside for maintenance of the property. This could be a leak. This could be switching your dishwasher, getting a new washer and dryer. Unfortunately, I was way over the 1% this year. So I just need to sort of budget accordingly so that I can eventually add the additional bedroom, but I'm just not at the point right now where I can do that. But the good news is that you were smart about where you bought because some first-time home buyers who bought in the same timeline that you did went way east or way west of the GTA, which is great if it's a, your primary residence, but for rentals, sometimes doesn't work out. It's difficult to get higher paying tenants there because jobs as you move away from the city tend to be lower income. Well, depends, right? But if you're renting. And then yeah. the other thing is in the event that you need to refinance, your house price has already gone up so there will be more equity there whereas if you're if you put the five percent down payment and then your house goes down in price then you really have less options of course there are always options but you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot if you're not going to look at the population growth where you are and right now obviously oshawa is quite high in price still so some people are going further out i would suggest barry if you're looking for something that's really growing barry sudbury north bay places like that um, and we'll talk about that in later podcasts but i think you were very smart in where you did buy i'm a big fan of sweat equity value and let's actually do the renovations ourselves so that we can force the value of the property up so at the end of the day when the market shifts you already got the property at a good amount and by you adding value and doing those renovations yourself someone is going to pay a premium for the stuff that you did to your property so that's just another little tip your first house is a stepping stone to your forever home that's what we always have to remember too
And we love sweat equity and hard work here. And you're you're like a podcaster. You're doing my segue for me. So the next thing I want to talk to you about is your history. We have a shared history in competitive sport. And as entrepreneurs, especially female entrepreneurs, I am so interested in how that shaped you as a young person in the industry. Um, I think it's incredible. You've obviously had some great success in the last couple of years. And how much of that do you attribute to your background in competitive sport? Yeah, I would say a lot. I would say a lot. And I think even just entrepreneurs as a whole, I think the stat, I could be wrong, but it's something like 90% of businesses fail within the first four to five years. And if we actually took a look at who runs those businesses, I can almost guarantee that the majority of the people who stay afloat are retired athletes. I can't guarantee that. um, But just even when I have conversations with people who used to do sports or, you know, do sports now, I can just tell. And the way they talk, how driven they are, how organized they are, uh, it just goes to really show. So I think that having been an elite athlete my entire life has literally shaped me into the person that I am today. And it just sort of trickles into the way that I operate my business. What about you? Uh, Same. I honestly... I am such a fan of ex-athletes and I, we say retired or ex-athletes, but really it never stops because I think one is yes. the mental capability that you have when you're training, whether you're training for something or whether you're just training for life, which I'm 33, that's where I'm at now. I'm training for life. <laughs> but um, I, I also think that, and I said, I think I said this to you when we had our pre-interview, busy people get shit done. And when you have priorities, then all that piddly stuff that people tend to put off and procrastinate about, you you simply cannot because you don't have extra time. So if you, growing up, I always had a part-time job. I was always training at least an hour and a half a day, sometimes three, four hours a day. And then everything else kind of needs to get slotted in. So I I have this beautiful full life, but I'm very regimented. And I see that in my colleagues who are who also come from a similar background. I also think that there's a patience piece that comes with athletes. Um, I think that because you have to work so hard for your goals that you kind of get used to the process. And I think that's also something that translates probably into your home ownership. You have to be patient. You have to have a plan. So I yeah. am curious about um, how you saved for your down payment, because I know that patience is like, that's tough to wait for it to come in. So what did that look like for you, Jaden? Yeah. So being completely transparent, a lot of people, they want to become realtors because they see selling Sunset, they see selling Tampa, and they see the amount of money that you know, realtors can make. So just being completely transparent, I was lucky enough to get a full ride scholarship to play volleyball in California. So my school, I graduated debt free. So I started at zero, which was amazing. Uh, And then I just worked really hard. Like I said, I've been in real estate for two years. So I saved up my down payment from the transactions that I was able to do within the two years. And then I went and purchased my my property. So that sort of just very, very hard work as a realtor um, enabled me to sort of save up to to purchase the property. Absolutely. And did you take advantage of any first time homebuyer incentives when you did purchase? So first time homebuyer, I mean, not really, if I'm being honest, the down payment structure, um, a lot of people do think that when you are 
purchasing a property for the second time that you need to have 20% down. That isn't necessarily the case, but that's a conversation for another day. I was able to take advantage. I didn't put the full 20% down, um, which I was lucky I was able to do due to my entrepreneurial background. Um, but I would say that I didn't put 20% down. Um, of course, when tax time comes, you can get the land transfer tax rebates and a couple of those things, but there wasn't any, I didn't use like the first time home buyer incentive or anything along those lines to, to get into the property. Mm -hmm. And I'll uh, note here that if you are get, putting down less than 20%, which is typical, especially for first time home buyers in the GTA, it's just not reasonable oftentimes to have that 20% down payment, then you do have access to insured uh, rates, which tend to be the lowest. And then you do have to pay an insurance premium that will last for the life of your mortgage. So that's something to keep in mind, folks, if you're putting down the minimum down payment, you are going to have to pay your insurance premium, but your rate will be um, lower than somebody who's maybe putting down 20%. In the wash, it works out that you end up paying more on the mortgage, but the point really of buying your first home is to get into the market and build equity, right? So if that's what's attainable exactly. for you, then I always say whatever you have right now, if you can afford a house that you are comfortable with, jump. Absolutely. So exactly. And that goes back. Go for oh, it. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say that goes back to the whole like athlete mentality and just like you alluded to seeing the big picture, right? And coming up with a plan, strategizing. And I'm a big fan of delayed gratification, right? So it's like, I know that this is what I'm gonna need to do at this point because this is just sort of a, a little check in my plan and I see the bigger picture. And I think that's also part of the reason why I am successful or I am as successful as I am right now is because from the beginning, I had a plan. I knew, for example, social media, this is literally to the point of this is how many new followers I want a week. This is how many DMs I want to get from prospects because you have to have a game plan. And on that same token, you need to have a dream team. So us as former athletes, we're able to identify talent. And for me, I want to rig the game as much as possible. So for my clients, you know, I'm working with the best mortgage people. I'm working with the best lawyers. I'm working with the best stagers because I want to ensure that my clients sort of get the best results possible. And to work with a dream team, you need to have someone who sort of has, I don't want to say you need to work with someone who has that athletic drive, but they will be a bit more, you know, competitive when it comes to that. And I'm sure same with you, like I'm one of the most competitive people that my friends know. And that's something that I sort of pride myself on. And it's like, I literally just took my competitive drive from sports and poured it into real estate. When I win a volleyball game, I get the same feeling when I get a deal done now. It's like that adrenaline rush is so awesome. And I think, yeah, right, Gustav. And the thing that is so funny to me is people are like, wow, Jaden, you're doing so well. And by no means, I am nowhere close to where I want to be. But it's just so funny because with sports, I got the accolades and whatever, but people only saw the accolades. They did not see the work that I did on the back end. Whereas with real estate, people are literally seeing the deals I'm doing. I just, I always think that's funny when people are like, wow, like you're working so hard with real estate. It's like, no, I've been working this hard my entire life. <laughs> right. So that's, I, I've experienced the same thing. I have a previous career in education and of course everybody knows what a teacher does, but nobody saw what I did. So I'm, yeah, I'm getting a lot of 
a lot of good vibes being sent my way saying, oh, Brie, you're doing so well. You're working so hard. But it's like, I've been working in everything, right? And then now it's it's interesting. I mean, I don't need the, the um, reassurance, but it is interesting when people see it, that what they kind of pick up about it. Um, but I really want to go back to what you said about the dream team. Um, no, people don't have to use ex-athletes, but the thing about choosing your team is you get to do it. And that's what I really want people to yes. take away from this is that you get to choose which real estate professional you use. You get to choose which mortgage broker you use. And it's so important that A, they are badass and they're going to get stuff done, but also that you feel comfortable with them because you want to have this plan. You want them to share information freely with you and you want to be on the same level. Like you don't want to work with somebody who mainly does investment properties in a certain area, but they're your mom's best friend's son. So you're going to bring them to the GTA with you and you're going to look at properties. That's not the vibe yeah. and it's not going to help you in the long run. Like you may sustain that relationship, but really it comes down to dollars and cents and it's just not going to work for you. So what do you suggest that people ask their realtor um, when they first start working with them? Like what are the kind of questions that you think they should ask to make sure that they're aligned or that they're working with the right person. A hundred percent. So number one, before even asking questions, I'm big on vibes and I don't know about you, but as a realtor, I personally, I care about my clients vibes too. So I always tell my clients first up, look, you're feeling me out, but I'm also feeling you out. And this needs to be a relationship that we both think is going to make sense. Right. Um, but some questions that I would ask, ask, you know, like what's their experience? If you're a first time home buyer, how many, you know, first time home buyers are you, have you helped or what type of unique information are you going to provide me that another realtor doesn't? I think that one thing a lot of people get stuck on is how long someone has been in the industry. I don't necessarily think that is an indicator of if someone's going to be good or not. I think that it's really the vibes. Can they provide you with the statistics? But yeah, I mainly am sort of off of vibes and if they know their stuff, I think by all means, you know, work with them. I would say talk to a couple of realtors, right? We know how it is. You can speak to a few realtors and we want to feel like you chose us because you feel like we're the best fit, you know? So that's really, it's mostly for me, it's really about vibes. And from just like a female perspective, I just wanted to throw this in. I got into real estate also so that we can work with people who look like us, right? Because we want to make sure that we're surrounding ourselves by positive, empowering females, because that will then empower us. And one of the biggest obstacles that I sort of face is because I've only been in the industry for about two and a half years. And because I'm so young, uh, and I don't want to get too far into it. But because you know, I am a female, sometimes I have um, fathers, right? I have fathers of prospects who might not necessarily think that I have the credibility that I need to facilitate the transaction. So unfortunately, I decided to get not unfortunately, but I got my broker designation for credibility reasons, because I know that I know what I'm doing. But I said, you know what, if I need to get my broker designation, so that when I get questioned, I'm able to say, you know what, I'm a broker. I don't know about the previous realtor you worked with 17 years ago that you want your child to work with, but I know what I'm doing. I present myself, you know, I try to look the part, be the part, give them the stats and hopefully win them over that way. But that is probably one of my biggest obstacles is just due to, you know, my appearance, uh, my credibility. 
I hear you in that as somebody who is a little bit older than you, but still looks 18, 18 till I die. Um, <laughs> I get that so often, but now I think being a little bit older, I say, watch me, like to watch me, like whatever. If you're not my people, if I'm not, if the way I speak, which is eloquent and the information I bring, which is great, is not enough for you, then yeah, you're not my people. Yeah. But um, I think representation is huge. And I'm so curious about your community initiatives, because that's something I'm incredibly passionate about. I think that by asking and we we get paid well, I'm going to be very transparent, like in the real estate industry, we are asking for our community to pay us. So I think it's so important that yeah. we also give back. So can you tell me a little bit about what you do for your community and working with um, the kids and getting them financially literate? Yeah, a hundred percent. So my biggest thing is, okay, I do want to empower, you know, people who are our age, but the thing is, if we can build a foundation for people prior to the point where they're like, oh, I want to purchase a house, that is very big to me. And whenever I was in school, number one, I felt like the presenters, they weren't really like me. They didn't really speak my language. So I always knew that I wanted to be that person who can go into schools and the kids are like super excited to see like, oh, Jaden has so much energy. She's bringing great information. So I said, you know what? I really just want to, the community gives so much to me. So let me give back by starting, you know, with the children while they're young. So I'll go into high schools. I host a lot of webinars and I just teach on a variety of topics. Sometimes I'm teaching about entrepreneurship, how to leverage social media, money 101, how to save money, um, you know, how to get jobs. But it's really just building a foundation and just getting the ideas running. You know, I didn't open a bank account until a little later on in life. And I didn't know about the importance of credit and the fact that credit is a key to a lot of things in life because we don't necessarily have all the funds that we need to make the bigger purchases. Right. So just educating kids on the fact that, OK, there's a debit card, there's a credit card, and these are the things that you're going to want to have set so that in the event that you even want to go to rent a property, your landlord is going to ask probably for your credit report. If you don't have a good credit report, you're not going to be able to rent. So just really empowering the younger generation and hoping that they start to grow up with that knowledge so that when the time comes for them to actually potentially purchase a property, they already have a solid foundation set. So I do work, you know, with youth also, uh, but my goal is really to start people while they're young. And sometimes I do multiple sessions. So session number one will be about this session two and really just help them expand. I also let them email me if they ever have any questions about money. They just want to talk to someone uh, just because I want to be that person that I feel like I didn't necessarily have when I was younger. And I just feel like the education system could be on purpose, could not be. It's just they don't talk about the stuff that we actually need to learn to do life, right? So I just want to make my way into some schools and stuff and just teach them this valuable information so then they can maybe even go home. I had a, a child once, they actually went home, spoke with their parents, and I hopped on a call with the parents and the child to just discuss, you know, financial literacy. So it's really just about helping people. The community gives so much to me. I want to give back and just try to build people up while they're down here so that once they're older, they are able to build, you know, financial freedom. Absolutely. And I think it's to look at it in a holistic way, um, to look at our client base kind of as, yeah, there's home buyers, but there's also their children. There's also, you want to give them, when you start 
at a young age, you give them the best running start to build generational wealth. And really that's, for me, that's my goal in getting into this is I want to see single women. I want to see anybody who feels disenfranchised. I want to see them being able to build that generational wealth and pass it on. Um, and to, to get in like as soon as possible, because that's kind of the key is um, to be quick with it. Exactly. And to even um, athletes. So I do some webinars where I'm just talking about the, the importance of, okay, if you want to get a scholarship, make sure that your grades are good. Because if you're going to go to the States, for example, they're not taking you because you're a good athlete. You have to be a good athlete and you have to be a good student because they can find good athletes everywhere. So just really, yeah, foundationally, I just want to help the community as a whole. And then the thing is you give to the community and the community sort of gives back. And I feel like that's something that you and I really understand. You have this podcast where you're trying to know, well, you are empowering, um, you know, females and people who are disenfranchised. And I feel like there are some, you know, realtors and mortgage agents who they're not doing that, right? They're motivated by the money. And that's something that you should also keep in mind when you're going to work with a realtor and a mortgage agent is, are they looking at me like a dollar sign? Or do they genuinely care about me, my family, our well-being, our financial future, etc. Because there are definitely some bad apples out there, you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, Jaden, my Zoom is telling me that we're almost out of time. I could talk to you all day. This has been incredible. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, and so you told us what your handles are. I'm curious if somebody wants to get a hold of you for speaking, where should they where should they get at you? Um, so you can email me at jadenkennedyrealestate at gmail.com or you can DM me, message me, wherever. Wherever you see me online, um, reach out and I'll, I'll get back to you for sure, especially if it has to do with giving back to the community. Wherever you see that big, beautiful smile, just message her. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for your time today, Jaden. I so appreciate it. That's it for this week, folks. If you enjoyed Jaden, then go ahead, reach out and let her know. And I will see you all next week for another episode of Homeowner AF. Please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Cheers. Bye.